Well, there goes the whistle again, and it is time for another episode of the Entrepreneur's Locker Room. Chat with a champion. Today is a dead set champion, a champion in the internet marketing space. And he doesn't know that I'm going to call him this. He's a champion in the lifestyle business space. And when we get to find out what his lifestyle is, you'll know why I'm saying that. The man himself, Mr. James Shramko. Welcome along. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. <laughs> it's great to speak to a Brossman from Mossman. <laughs> it, uh, it was very interesting. The other day, I had a Grossman talking to a Brossman on a, on a podcast, so it doesn't get much trickier than that. <laughs> so, so, James, we have a long history, and I just want to clear this up. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to tell people that you were my first internet marketing mentor, and thank you for everything you did way back when. And we were in one of the first Silver Circle groups that you had going. So we were um, sharing our journey together. Is that close? That is close. You know, that, that uh, would have to be maybe eight years ago now. It's, it's had a long history. And I remember us meeting for a coffee down in Mossman, uh, Balmoral Beach there, having a chat. And I was reflecting on that when I knew this was coming up. Um, because I've just hit a 10-year anniversary of quitting my job. So it's, it's amazing how this journey can unfold as you go down the line. Well, I was going to touch on that because uh, and bring up the 10-year history because you put a podcast out just the other day, 10 years from quitting your job. And what you've done in that time and letting people know that you've built quite a number of uh, million-dollar and multi-million-dollar businesses, and now you've paired them back to two significant businesses that are all based around memberships, and that's your Silver Circle and your Superfast business. Can you tell us and tell the people what they are right now? So Superfast business is a community of, there's hundreds of members in that one, and it's quite an affordable coaching environment where I put training in there, I help people individually and then they help each other as a group. And then we also have an optional annual event most years where they come together in real life. Uh, in most major cities, there are local meetups each month, which the members organize themselves. Uh, and it's a fantastic community. That one's been going for nine years. And Silver Circle is like the uh, high level, aspirational cream of the crop, um, starting point for that would be someone's making a $500,000 a year revenue. The median sort of revenue for that group would be closer to $3 million. And there's about 32 people in there who I'm working mm -hmm. with on a weekly basis, both in a, a group and individually. And, and they're the high flyers. Cool. Let's turn the clock back um, 10 years or even before 10 years. And, uh, and you've got a fantastic book out, which is all about doing less and making more. And we'll get to that right at the end. But right back when you got your car sales job, and I read in the book, and I know from personal experience and you recollecting to us, that you devoured sales training books, uh, Tommy Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, all of those you know, on your way to, from work, lunchtime breaks. But most importantly, you implemented them and and that's a big thing so can you tell us what sort of effect it has been on you just you know learning reading but then taking that knowledge and just implementing yeah i, I think uh you know if you look in the average uh kindle and look up the popular highlights what you'll notice is they run out um, after the first few chapters <laughs> because <laughs> most people don't ever finish the book uh, and, and we're all 
guilty of having a Kindle on our phone that we never even opened, right? Or didn't even download to the phone. There you go. Yeah. So I, w- I was treating this uh, library of mine as the best resource that I had. It was probably the, the cheapest training you could ever get for 15 or $20, whatever the books cost. They were a bargain. And I built up a library of a couple of thousand books and I just would read them fairly slowly, mind you, I actually read word for word. I'm a slow reader, but I re- retain a lot of what I read. And the goal for me was to read something and then try it. So the next time a customer walked in, I would try using the technique until it became a habit. And I'm sure you know that hierarchy of consciousness mm-hmm. where you go from not even knowing that you don't even know something to, to knowing something, but you're not that good at it to Um, getting better at it, but you're not quite there to the point where it just becomes automatic. And I was trying to move through that hierarchy as quickly as possible. I wanted to be an unconscious competent to the point where it was just like software that I'd installed into my operating system. And it was the standard setting. And I kept doing that. And when I got promoted to sales manager, I went out, I went down to uh, North Sydney, to the Australian Institute of Management bookstore and I bought six books on sales management and I went home and I read them all over the weekend <laughs> because I, what I had learned from the industry was there was zero training provided. It was fly by the seat of your pants. It was sink or swim. It was like, here's your desk. Don't make a dick of yourself. Good luck. That was it. That was the training induction. That's impressive training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's lucky they showed me where the desk was. Otherwise, I would have had to, you know, guess. Uh, and, and the great thing about it and, and taking it back from that, and I've heard you present this part on stage and, and something that I, I know about you, is that one of the things that set you apart from other sales trainers or salespeople in that particular industry is you really valued the long-term value of the client, the customer, and you've carried that through to your internet marketing businesses. Can, can you share that journey as well? It's just simpler to deal with the same people over and over again than to go and find new ones. So you could put it into a simple metaphor of hunting versus farming. And some people like to go and hunt. They want to go and get the kill. They like to come up with Facebook campaigns and big launches and, and go and get new customers all the time. But I find that exhausting. I would rather plant a field uh, of an orchard and let the fruit grow and and look after it and be able to pick that fruit for the next 30 years if you just look after it all you have to do is water it you don't have to wander off and wonder if we're going to get some food today it's sitting right there in front of you so i've built my whole business around dealing with the same people and continuing to serve their needs so it just means you have to have a different way of doing business than the hunter it means you have to think past that first interaction. So that means you, you don't do a lot of the things that hunters will do because they don't really care if they're going to take out the animal. Right? And, and salespeople in particular, they can be quite naughty with the way that they behave with people if they think there's only one opportunity. Mm. You know, they'll overprice or they'll overpromise or they will um, pressure and manipulate people to get that one-time profit. But instead of that, if you, if you think about the customer's point of view, if you think about how you can genuinely help them be better off, which is close to my definition of what selling actually is, it's just helping people improve their situation, then they will happily come back and deal with you again. So therefore, a lot of the solutions that I offer now are ongoing solutions that people 
can continue to grow with and that that don't necessarily run out. They're not one-time solutions. Now, I regard you as probably one of the most intelligent, one of the most successful online marketers. And for that, many of them are, are fly-by-nighters. Um, what we often see there is they're all trying all this new school, new shiny object techniques, but you've infused good old fashioned sales processes, relationship building and all of that into your business and made it very successful. Yeah, you can get caught up in fads and tactics and there will be, they come and go. And I've watched them over the last 12 and a half years that I've been online. Uh, I've seen people come and go. Uh, it's fascinating. It's like the latest carnival or magic trick. But if you have fundamentals in place, you can survive for a long time. So the filters and the metrics that I use to run my business are, is this sustainable? Could I still be doing this in five years from now and be happy about it? And that's a, that's a strong filter. If, if I wouldn't be happy with it, then I'm not likely to do it. That leads me on to something I was going to get to later, but let's bring it forward, is you wrote in your book and you wrote in your goals journal that you wanted to, and I'm going to read this, it's, it's very short, but it's very simple, you wanted to have automated wealth, independent wealth, independently wealthy, and enjoy life passionately, written in 2006. Looking at your business and your lifestyle, um, I think you achieved it a while ago, but can you explain the people, because you are running very successful multi-million dollar businesses operating two hours a day. And, and that's, uh, that to me is the way you've built it is definitely automated wealth. Uh, you are independently wealthy and knowing that you surf virtually every day and uh, you run your masterminds on a very big boat in the Maldives, um, there's a fair chance you do enjoy life passionately. Yeah, well, a couple of things there. I, I, it would be more, more fair to say that I stack my work week towards the middle of the week and mm -hmm. I do average probably more like 25 hours a week at this okay. point, um, just to be cement, you know, pedantic about it. Um, but I will say that, um, yeah, surfing every day has become a non-negotiable activity. So I always have space for that because... I didn't want to work till I'm 65 years old and then say, okay, I'm going off to retire and live now. It seems like the best part of your life is gone at that point. So I was reading books like the four hour work week and, and reflecting on this idea of what retirement actually means. And I think it's better if you can build a business around the lifestyle that you would like to have that funds and fuels it. And then you decide if you're prepared to pay the price to um, both get there and then can you sustain that? So I've found a routine for myself that works really well now. And there was definitely a huge expense of energy and inputs required at the beginning to get that. Mm -hmm. Just like a space shuttle taking off or an airplane, a lot of fuel burned to get to altitude. But once you get there, it's less to maintain. So I can sustain my business now with a podcast per week and just turning up for my existing customers and adding a few here and there as I go uh, via the podcast. And I've managed to leverage and automate many aspects of my business and to build a little team around me to provide that infrastructure to take the load off the manual tasks and the things that I'm not even that good at. And, and thanks for pointing out that you did 
put in the work early because I was around, you know, eight years ago when you were putting in that work. And I know that there was a lot of work that you were putting in, in developing it, uh, building other businesses and working with other people. And I, I see it so often that people don't want to put that work in. That's going to actually lead me to the next question is if you were to start all over again now for some unknown reason you actually lost everything except your knowledge and the experience that you have how would you do it now well you know that's actually a baseline assumption that i have on a regular basis like when i review my business i do wipe the slate clean i just think if i was to start from scratch it's a little fantasy that i play <laughs> it's like <laughs> Not a good could, one. <laughs> yeah. no it's actually it is a healthy yeah. one because yeah. if you come from the base of some that everything you have would be lost. You're complacent and you don't fall into some trap of going down a path that, that you've got no backup. I really like this metaphor of a catamaran and it's a two-hulled vessel that's moving forward. It's joined by the trampoline. But if you get a hole in one hull, it's good to have another. That's why I run two parallel coaching businesses. They're heading mm. the same way. They're completely independent um, and in the background, I've got another vessel that I'm building, you know, that, that'll be ready to launch from the dock at some point in the next five years. I've always got something coming. So to answer your question, I'm already thinking that way now, and I never let myself get too far from that. So if I had to start again, I would probably find myself back to where I'm at right now fairly quickly. And that is I would be um, if, if I'm still allowed to have my expertise, then I would leverage how I am able to deliver that to others and to help them to improve their situations and they would happily pay me for that. So I, I would probably be back at either a recurring income royalty situation with small business owners mm -hmm. or some kind of membership that I have now. And frankly, if I didn't love the business I have now, then I would move it on and get on to the next thing. If I, if I knew a better one, and, and just as a little side note, because I think it sort of sits in your wheelhouse, I'm really enjoying writing books and I'm on to my second book now and I've mapped out the third and the fourth. And I, I love the royalties that they generate when I'm just sitting at home and thinking about surfing. Someone's buying my book and Amazon's sending me a payment for that. And I, I love the leverage in that. And it's a way that you can harness your knowledge and expertise. Uh, there, there's so much in that, which is fantastic. The, the thing that I actually do want to point out is if there are other people out there that are starting from scratch or want to build their business and they actually do want to start with the knowledge that you have, they should probably join you know, Superfast Business because pretty well most of it's in there. That's true. There's a decade worth of material. Uh, even the book is a good primer because in the book, within two hours of buying that book, you will have a, a software upgrade of the way that I'm thinking and the things that have worked for me. So it wouldn't take you 12 and a half years to understand some of the things that I had to find out the slow way. You could get that immediate install. And then certainly, yes, if you're a member of my own community, then you would get my help. So if, if you bring an existing business to the table, then that is like being in a car driving along already and then you're asking for help on how to push the accelerator harder well that's going to be an instant result and uh versus you know if you've got no business and, and you haven't started yet then wouldn't it be good to avoid making all the mistakes that everyone else has made including me 
and just get straight to the point and at least start from a good position. Now, one big mistake, and I've seen you bring this out when we were involved with you, and it's something that's a, uh, it's a bugbear of mine. I see so many people build their whole business and livelihoods on di- different platforms, the next shiny object, and you've got this saying concept and, and teachings called own the race course. Can you just tell people what that is all about and, and where people will get major pitfalls if they don't? It's just about having some control over your own assets. So uh, before Facebook groups were popular, I was pretty big on building my own website out. And I used to put content on my website and then I would use the social media platforms to let people know that it's there. But the whole time I'm building my own asset, my own website and my own email database so that Mm. I can reach a Mm. customer easily. These days, it's good to at least have a subscriber base on multiple platforms. So if we look at my marketing now, I'm leveraging five main platforms and I'm building up an audience on those five platforms. So if one of them says, hey, listen, we no longer allow business coaching. Uh, So we've shut down your account. There's no notice and there's no recourse uh, and you can't even contact them. Then it's not going to hurt my business that much. So if you are a YouTube personality or you have a Facebook page with hundreds of thousands of people and that's where you base your business, if that gets stopped, you just want to have a way that you can reach people and let them know about it. If you're uploading all your content to someone else's platform, at least keep a copy of it somewhere local. So I'm now uploading native content to these platforms, but I hold the original master in my Dropbox and I'll still put it on my own website so that I've got some control over that asset. And I keep a backup copy of my email database. And I do have a significant amount of search traffic where I put the best, the most premium content, the transcriptions, the content upgrades, the checklists, the, the, the PDFs. And of course, that's where I house my membership. So I'm not on a Facebook group. Yeah, I have my own membership on my own website and I have a lot of control over that. And they can't tell me what to do or that they don't like it. It's, it's none of their business. Yeah. One of the other things that uh, you've always uh, put forward is, first of all, investing in yourself and go and get some great learning. But the other thing is hang out with high achievers. And you've done some, some great trips with some great people, gone to lots of live events so you can actually hang out with the people. And I see a trend with some people. They say, well, why do I want to go to live events where I could just get the replays and get the free content um, online? Where do you see the value in going and then hanging out with the, uh, the high achievers? Well, I think it challenges your own thought process. It, it, we are selfish by nature. So when we are having a chat with somebody or even listening to this discussion, the whole time someone is interpreting, what does that mean for me? How does that apply to me? How does that compare to me? <laughs> That's what we do. So if you have a conversation with someone at a live event, you're constantly thinking, what's in it for me? What can I learn from this? You know, is this person doing so much better than I am and why? What are they doing? How much more special are they than I am? We start benchmarking. And what I found when I was hanging out with the high achievers is it reset my own impression of how well I was going. At the time, I was earning $300,000 a year and I came back from America thinking that I'm short selling myself, that these people making $100,000 a month 
are looking at me like, why do you put up with that? Like, what's wrong with you? How come you <laughs> accept such a low wage? And it resets your parameters. And what I've found now in my coaching group where I'm helping people at quite a high level, relatively speaking, uh, I'm learning some fascinating things. I see them at scale. Some of my students have 250,000 students of their own or 10,000 people in their wow. membership. They're the best in the world at what they do. And to see them run experiments in this lab, you know, I have 32 Petri dishes where I can see what's happening. And that gives me a tremendous knowledge bank. So when someone's connecting to me, they're by default getting access to a database of hundreds of businesses that has been going on for you know, a decade. Wow, there's some uh, some absolute brilliant nuggets in there, and uh, it, it's been great to chat with you on this. I want to keep it fairly short. However, we're about to head into the Fast and Furious Five, and I've sent you some uh, some questions that we're going to go through, and one that always stumps everybody. So I actually do want to know what your answer is to the last one. But the first one is: What non-business sporting or activity would you like to be the champion of? I've got an inkling I know oh, it has to be. It has to be surfing. <laughs> yeah. I knew when I was going to ask that. I was like, oh, why do I? Why, can I come up with a different question? Because this, this is a, a dead set. Yeah, that, it actually ties into the, the last question. Because when I started surfing about four years ago, I didn't think that I'd ever get off a longboard. And I looked at people on these short boards and I'd think, well, that's not going to be me. But hanging around with them every day in the surf and, and suddenly over time you develop your skills and your experience and now I'm one of them and then you start to think gosh maybe I could enter a competition I could become one of the board riders at the local comps or something so hanging around with that peer group it actually lifts you up yeah uh, it's interesting because the old saying is you are the sum total of the five people you hang around with and if you hang around with those on the shore break that's where you I'm go hanging around with uh 16 year old grommets who can do loop the loops you know after school <laughs> that's my peer group in the water uh, that's a good it's a good group to hang out with uh, the next one is what one personal thing would you like people to know about you so they got to know you better well i i, I think that they w would like to know that i really do care about them because i think that's actually missing from a lot of people out out there one of my bosses actually accused me of caring too much he said you know what your problem is you care too much because i would i would really question why i missed a sale and what i could have done differently or how i could have helped somebody better to have not had them go off and buy somewhere else i really i got hurt by it in a way so i, I tried to work harder on not being in that position and there would be a fair chance he's still the boss in a car yard he owns a, a multi-franchise car dealership group. And mm -hmm. I, I know that uh, he was very supportive, by the way. He, okay. was a lovely, he, was one, he was one of the good bosses. The, right. the bad boss is living out of a borrowed car somewhere, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, as karma would have it. But, but this good boss, when I, when I got promoted and offered to go and work in the, the second last place that I ever went, he bought a bag of rice and he brought it to the dealership. At the time, I was making $145,000 a year, and my new job was $200,000 a year and two company cars. And he bought this bag of rice, he brought it to the boardroom, and he called all the people in the dealership. He said, 
four and a half years ago, this guy started here and, you know, in that time he became the number one salesperson in the whole of Australia. He became the number one sales manager and now he's been offered a job where he'll get a dollar for every grain of rice in this bag every year. And you could get that too if you worked as hard as this guy and if you put in the effort. And, and he was super supportive. And, and, uh, That's brilliant. And, and I always, I remember sitting on the couch with him about two months into my job there. And, and he goes, how are you going? I said, good. I just, just want to make sure I get to my three-month trial. He goes, mate, if you don't make your three-month trial, then I'll walk out with you. So... <laughs> It was good to have that support. It's fantastic. Next one. What one habit would you like to change? Knowing you, you've probably changed them. It's, it is, that is true. It's, uh, at about this time, I wish I'd probably looked through those questions. Um, <laughs> what one habit would I like so to change? Not maybe it would be I'd, I'd do, maybe, maybe I'd do a little bit more preparation. How about that? <laughs> Who has had the most influence in your life? I can say who or what. That's such a difficult question. I'm really tempted to say myself, uh, but that sounds like such a wanker. Um, I've done a lot of work on my own thought process mm -hmm. and, and that just probably is a weird answer. But I, if I was to look outside that, I would say it's um, everyone around me from good bosses to bad bosses to grandparents, parents, I can find a lesson from anybody at any time. I, I, the whole world is my teacher. They're brilliant answers. And, and saying that you have been the most influence on yourself because you've done a lot of work on yourself, if you take it the right way, is, is a significant answer. And a lot of people should actually answer that because you absorb things and take things in from, from all other sources. But unless you, like you do, implement them, then nobody has influenced you. Uh, I, yeah, I, I guess what I'm and hopefully it is taken the right way. <laughs> uh, I, I, do, I do spend a lot of time reflecting. Maybe some people call that meditation, uh, but I do, I do spend time just thinking and, and pondering and um, working out, trying to solve things in my own mind. How do I feel about this? Why does this upset me? Or what's interesting about that or which direction should I go next? I'm, I'm using a diagnostic process on myself. So I'm very interested to know what you've come up with this one, because if the, the level of preparation for the last couple, um, th this could be very interesting. <laughs> if you were to be the answer to a quiz show question, what would you want the question to be? Oh, the, uh, who had the most profound, impact on your business career okay we'll we'll leave it at that without going into it so you've retitled and uh, re-engineered the fast and furious five to the deep and meaningful five <laughs> so there's some uh, some very profound answers there now we spoke about a number of different ways that uh, people should and, and could connect with you and uh, get value from doing so a the book and exploring what super fast business is all about what very simple way could they uh, could they find you James superfastbusiness.com 
Okay. We'll just, we'll have some graphics on the actual video and we'll have some information around the podcast to make sure they can do that. And certainly um, having been in and around and hanging out uh, on a professional sense and mountain bike riding around Manly Dam uh, without coming off, which was great. Um, having home jumped, renovations. Home renovations. <laughs> Yeah, meeting at Bunnings a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I certainly would recommend you explore some of the uh, the teachings and the support that James could add because I know uh, down to earth and it makes a lot of sense. It would certainly help your business. James, thank you so much for coming on the Entrepreneur's Locker Room. And for you guys that are tuning in, stay tuned for another Chat with a Champion coming out real soon. Cheers.